Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the 5-Minute Major. It is I, Nick, New York, with the full host of 5-Minute Major regulars, this evening, that includes Jared Mason. Jared, how are you, sir? I'm doing doing great. Um, looking forward to the to this call. Are you, well, you're you've always been a bit of a uh, you've always been a bit of a thrill seeker. Uh, yep. So that 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 fits with the old character there. My uh, my, uh, my stage name my stage name is Givens Thrills. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's just Jared. That's pretty funny. You have it's funny that you have a stage name. It's funny because he's fat. All right. Uh, we also have doubles. Doubles, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, quick uh, congratulations, shout out to my 11 year old boy. Got his first communion yesterday, so extremely proud of him. Yeah, nice. Outstanding. Now it's all on the record, though, right? With the big guy upstairs. It is. So uh, proceed is with running. a. Uh, Proceed with a curse-ridden uh, five-minute major podcast, please. Yeah, you listener, long-time <laughs> listener. <laughs> and and Mike Berg, Mike, how was your weekend? Speaking of which, uh, it was it, it was <laughs> lovely. I am well lubricated at this point, so. Well, good. <laughs> good to stay hydrated. Liquidity is important. With that being said, um, I think it's time, gentlemen, to perform our Minnesota Wild. 2014-2015 season postmortem. Uh, I think it's probably worthwhile. Our our wild extra friends over at Giles and the goalies already did theirs, so I think that means that it's time for us just to bite the bullet and be done with the damn thing. What do you think? Yep, closure. Yeah, all right, all right. Let's get into it. All right. So here's my first question to the group. Um, 2015, excuse me, 14-15, finished 82 games with 46 victories, 100 points, which is the second time in team history that they broke 100, or got to 100, I should say. They didn't break it. Uh, Fourth in the Central, but made the playoffs, won a round for the second year in a row, made the playoffs for the first, uh, excuse me, for the third season in a row, uh, and lost to the Blackhawks for the third season in a row. But looking at the season overall, and let's start with you, Mike. You know, uh, were you satisfied with the outcome of the season? Uh, that's a tough question. Um, the fact that we, you know, the Wild were able to, uh, you know, they were able to to claw their way back into the season. They were the best team in the league for a while. That feels really good. Um, you know, but the end result is they went you know, like a bunch of suckers to the Blackhawks again, and that really, you know, you, you feel that sting. Butch, um, you know, that, that's kind of where I am right now. It, it's, it, it really sucks that, you know, that that's where we are right now. And, uh, you know, just that, that we have to um, that we have to go through this once again, and, you know, once again we have to be th- thinking, well, maybe next year. 
Um, you know, so in that respect, I am not happy with the way things ended. Um, but yeah, what do you, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, what are you supposed to do? I mean, how are you supposed to feel as a fan when, you know, the, the team that you've been supporting all season long, I mean, they get your hopes up, they, they've got you believing. I mean, I, I, I was a true believer there at the end of the season and, and then they, they just, they broke my heart. I mean, you know, um, yeah, it's it, it, it's rough right now. Um, double satisfied. Uh, big picture, I would have to say probably so. Um, kind of the, to build on Mike's last point. I mean, that's just a fickle finger of hockey fate. Um, rough, rough November and December, obvious. Um, kind of what really was brought to light for me this year is how much the wild is a huge winter diversion for me and helps me get through these long-ass fucking Minnesota winters. Um, it, just, it was a tough stretch there when they couldn't buy a win, and then all of a sudden they rip off being the best team in hockey for two and a half months from, what was it, mid-January to yeah, yeah. You know, April. So it would be an awful lot of fun to be the best team in hockey from April 1 to June 15th. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Mason, um, uh, did did they live up to your expectations for the season? I, I think it, it speaks to, I don't know, I, I think I think both, both Mike and, and Doubles have valid uh, concerns for the season. And then you look at it and, and you wonder – uh, you wonder about your expectations. It, it, they, they shit the bed. Um, way be- they, they're playing way below what they should have, which they proved when they got a middling goaltender in Dubnik and then went on a tear. So the first question I have is then, are, are we really to believe that any of the goaltenders that were on our roster at the beginning of the of the of the season couldn't play to the level that Dubnik played? Um, in general, I mean, I I don't think he I, I I mean he played out of his mind. I'm not going to take that away from him, but the fact that his arrival kind of was a a, a wake up call to the team, and the team started playing like they should have. I have to think that the way the team was playing in front of Dubnik, they could have played that way in front of any goaltender. So to me, it's it's a bright spot that that they turned their entire season around. That's awesome, you know. That's a that's a positive thing. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, well, fuck you guys. Why weren't you playing like this for the other goaltenders that you had that are arguably of the you know uh, you know similar ilk than than Dubnik? And and to me, that that's a downer. That that it took a wake up call for them to actually uh, play well. Now I don't know if they were playing that well. If they would have done the same thing uh, in front of Kemper or in front of that guy Harding who used to be on our team. Um, but I got to think that they would have been able to. I mean, there's no reason. They, there's no reason why. I mean, a goaltender making saves doesn't mean that you can't, you know, that that are not making saves for that matter. It doesn't mean you can't go out and play the same way as if you know he wasn't making saves. To me, it's 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 really unfortunate. I think it speaks to the fragility of the team that we've been harping on all season. That that a, a seemingly innocuous change like a goaltender 
And uh, a goaltender playing with confidence suddenly gives the team confidence that they knew they already had, that they could have played with and kind of wasted a season like that. Um, so from just looking at the the regular season, I think there's reasons to to be proud of or things to be proud of, but also things to be like, what the hell is this team all about? If if that's what it you know if they can uh, if they can't even get over their own own brains uh, into the postseason, I think um, I think really you know I think we all agreed you know Nick, you've been the the biggest uh, voice of the opinion that as long as they improve over the postseason from last season, in which, of course, they made the second round and took it to, took it to six games. Um, we weren't that far off, but it, it sure felt like a, a bigger kick to the nuts than, than last season uh, in losing in six games rather than four games. Um, obviously, there's that one, you know, the one win that we didn't get, or the two wins that we, that we didn't get, but still, it, um, it, it seemed like a bigger, you know, a, a bigger blow to the nuts than, in, in a bad way. Than um, than um, than the difference of two games. Like we didn't get two wins, so I don't know. It, it, it seemed like a, a a worse postseason just because of that, obviously, but a, a pretty positive uh, regular season for me. Now, someone yell at me for talking too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. So I'm not entirely sure that I think they would have played the, gone on the same run if run if and Roth had been brought in than if Doobie had been brought in. I think you're there. I agree that I think just the change because they're, I think they had lost all sort of um, belief in Kemper and uh, Backstrom. So I think just a change was certainly going to make an impact, but you know, but played really, really well yeah. for the vast majority of that run. And it wasn't just the way he wasn't just making saves. It was the way he was making them and the, and you know, cutting out the weak goals, the softies that, that, you know, Kemper was giving up, you know, at least one of a game and Backstrom, you know, maybe more than that. And, you know, for for that whole run in the rest of the regular season, we did not see that from Kemper, but maybe one or two times that I can remember. And yeah, they crept back into the game a little bit in the playoffs, but, or at least certainly in the, uh, at the very beginning at the very end of the play or in the, in the Chicago series. But, uh, but, but, you know, but to your point in general, I mean, I think, it is. It does say something else about the team that is dis, dis, disconcerting. That 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 you know the, the line between success and failure is that fine, and, and seems to rest on something as you know um, simple, if you will, as you know, just kind of confidence. I mean, you know, you know, they're professional athletes for a reason. They're among the several hundred best people at at this sport in the world for a reason. Um, and that reason includes having the wherewithal to be better than most every other player in the world um, their entire lives. So, I mean, I realize it's a fine line. And I also realize that there are other structural sort of talent issues on the team. But I can't believe that this many, you know, 14 seasons in or whatever it is, we're still fucking talking about this team being a bunch of fragile people. I mean, and, and okay, so I understand there were distractions and, you know, the people that maybe, you know, the, the glue players, the Parisis and the, you know, suitors and the Koivus and whatever, you know, a couple of those guys had significant distractions that were, that were messing with them at key points in the season. So maybe you give them a pass, but how many pass? I mean, without being a total cock about it, you know, I mean, you're still giving them a pass at that point. So, 
you know, last year, I remember at some point, you know, reading about how when we had some injuries, Palmville stepped up in the leadership department. Well, Palmville had a pretty fucking awful season all the way around. Um, and yet he's still in the books for a couple more years. So, no, I'm, I'm not satisfied with the way this, this season ended up. You know, uh, as you pointed out, Mace, they, they went backward by two fucking games against Chicago, right? I mean, we, we went from winning two to winning zero. Uh, so they won more games against Chicago three seasons ago when we got crushed 4-1. I think it was the Zucker overtime goal. So um, now that doesn't mean I think we need to blow it up, and let's get to that in a minute here. But, but no, I'm, the answer to, my, to answer my own question uh, I am not satisfied with how this season went, and they did not live up to my expectations. So my next question for the group, and and let's go back to Mike. Do you, in your mind, did this team improve from last season? And and I mean, obviously, the 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 want is to look at it, and you know, they ended up in a in you know doing worse against Chicago than they did. So no, but you know, but improve is you know lowercase i. There's a lot of different ways to interpret improve. So Mike, what do you think? Okay, so now that you've put that caveat on it, yes, I do think they improved over, over last year. I, I think that this season's team was a better team. You know, as, as you noted, they, they did you know, hit the 100-point plateau this year. Um, you, know, they, they are, um, you know, they are growing as a team. Uh, you know, look at the way they manhandled the Blues. I mean, that, you know, against, from, and from, from a perspective of how they did in the playoffs, I mean, yeah, look at how they did against the the fucking Blackhawks. But you know, look at how they did in the first round. I mean, last year they were facing a young team with that that they could exploit, but they couldn't put it together. They couldn't put it together until you know overtime of Game Seven when they finally got over the hump. And you know, blame the refs all you want. I mean, the refs you know you know fucked the pooch a few times in that series on their own. But um, you know, talk about that all you want the team didn't actually, you know, pull their heads out of their asses until overtime when Nino scored that goal in overtime um, to, to, to end the avalanche season that year. Um, and then, but then, you know, look what they did this year. I mean, this year they beat a, you know, the, a, another division winner in the blues, you know, a team that, you know, really is, is much better than the avalanche were last year. And, and the wild were able to put together a game plan that they were able to take, take apart the blues. And you can argue, yes, it's true that the blues have their own demons that they've got to work on, but you know, that, that doesn't take anything away. I think from the, from what the wild did against the blues in that series, you know, they were able to, you know, just pick them apart, um, you know, use, use the tools they had and they were able to, beat the, the, you know, they were able to take it to the blues and, and, and defeat them in that series. Um, you know, and then in the regular season, there's no question they were the best team in the league for, for quite a while there. You know, they went on a tremendous run. They were able to, um, to really, um, you know, to, to really, uh, you know, show that, you know, what a tremendous team they were for, you know, 30, 40 odd games. And, and in that respect, yes, I think they are a better team this year than they were last year. And, you know, they don't have Danley Heatley anymore, so, I mean, you know, addition by subtraction. <laughs> Doubles, uh, one of the theory, theories coming into the season was that the way the Wild was going to have success was to uh, count on, you know, sort of a continued level of production from the vets, hope the goaltending held up, and then hope that the kids took the next step. So, you know, Zucker, Brodeen, Coyle, Granlin, Fontaine, Howland, Niederreiter, Dumba, Fullen, 
Scandella. Um, did the overall overall as a group? Did the kids get better? Boy, Scandella, A plus. Um, I think Brodeen kind of rebounded from his sophomore slump. Easy birdie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Score a ball. You know, Nino, Nino, you know, what did Nino end up with? 22 goals somewhere in there? 22, 25, somewhere in there? Um, To to me, the big thing with with the youngsters was you know, you know, and I think it gets back to you know probably the biggest issue you know that surrounds most most youth, um, youth is consistency. Where you know, yeah, Nino pumped in however many it was, twenty something, but I believe he also had a twelve game scoreless stretch. Yeah. Um. So just a, a lot of a lot of peaks and valleys this year. Um. So maybe those guys all get another year under their belt and uh, maybe we can even those out and get, get down to more of a gradual ascent than, uh, than all the ups and downs we saw this year. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that hurt this team and, you know, sorry, there's no uh, no way to quantify it, but believe me, it's a thing. From Their playoffs started on January 15th. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you cannot play, you can't sustain that level for that long. I just, I yeah. truly believe that. So yeah. my hope for next year is they, you know, obviously get away from that two-month skid that they had where they couldn't do anything right, couldn't put back-to-back wins together at all. Um, and, you know, hopefully they can kind of ramp up for the playoffs. And I know they were able to do that to a very small degree at the very end of the season this year. But I'd like to see them, you know, get that playoff spot locked in and where they're jockeying for position, you know, between in the top three from the central uh, coming down the stretch, you know, like February-ish instead of, you know, finally getting things locked in mid-March. I think that took a real toll on them. So that's what I'm hopeful to uh, see next year. Now, how do we get there? Good question. Yeah. Mace, um, break down your thoughts on the progression of Yo. I mean, one thing we know about Yo is he's clearly an ass man because that dude backs into everything. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, he, he backs that ass up. You were going to continue. <laughs> so, uh, you know, is is I mean, and that really, I, as I heard doubles there, I mean, that really is sort of the crux of his point is that, you know, the last two seasons, or more or less every season that Yo's had, including the lockout shortened season, but, um, you know, the team has gone through a significant slump, uh, and the last two seasons that slump nearly cost them their uh, uh, their playoffs. Two seasons ago was towards the end, and then this season it was in the middle. So, um, you know, I I remember worrying the first time, you know, three seasons ago when we played Chicago about, you know, the degree to which Yo was going to get outcoached by Quenville. Um, And I I kind of felt like that wasn't as big a concern this season. And frankly, I think he outcoached Hitchcock in the first round. 
Um, you know, I mean, he had a game plan that adapted to what the Blues were going to do, and he got his obviously he got his team to buy into that. And um, you know, so but you know, talk to me uh, about about the coaching aspect, and you know, go ahead and throw the rest of the coaches in there too. And you know, I mean, obviously that's going to include uh, Mr. Burnett. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think um, we in in the in the St. Louis series, I think we saw a. Um, a spectrum of coaching that we're not used to seeing out of Yo with, with the adaptation to how the Blues uh, brought brought it to the Wild in Game Two. I, I don't think any of us were quite used to seeing um, such a change. Such a, I mean, it was a complete different team that that went out there. Uh, you know, to uh, in Game Three. You know, the, the playoff smirk, uh, that sort of thing. I think that was so different than what we saw in. In game one, which of course we won because the Blues never showed up really, but also in game two in our loss, like we were still trying to, you know, uh, retaliate. And the, that shift was such a huge shift for for an entire team. I think you have to kind of credit Yo for for uh, inspiring that. I guess if inspiring or whatever it is. But um, but then again, you know, you didn't see you didn't see any sort of response to in, in the Chicago series, like and. And I, and I wanted to bring this up I, um, that like you can you can adapt and find a way to win against an aggressive team like St. Louis. You can't quite as easily adapt to pure talent that you see on on Chicago. Um, yeah. I think it's so much harder to to coach against and, and play against a team that just simply outclasses you than a team that you know their their first weapon is to beat you in submission and then use their their you know your their depth to kind of to to score against you uh if you don't respond to that aggression then you're just stacking depth against depth and we showed that we we out talented them but then when we stack our talent against Chicago's talent they, they, we know what happened with that so um and and yo I mean, all through the regular season, people were calling for Yo to make changes that he never did. Obviously, the power play, just like you said, he just you know keeps um, you know he, uh, he he backed into that too. Really, I mean, he never made that hard decision to say, "Hey, top line, you guys suck. We're going to try something different." And even the short times that he did try something different, putting Dumba out there on the first line, uh, first power play line, it was fleeting. It was a couple games, and even with even with success, so. He always kept going back to those veterans. I think most people that like had any kind of uh, argument, or not an argument against Yo, but um, you know, a problem with Yo is that I don't know, maybe just never had the balls to tell Koi would sit the fuck down for a power play or two. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's what kind of ultimately lost the, uh, the Chicago series that he couldn't really find a, an answer because uh, the players certainly weren't. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, the, the, to, so I, I agree with you there, and I, I think the one area where he he is definitely expo- uh, uh, you know sort of exposed to criticism is the way he babies the veterans. But the problem is, I don't I don't see that changing. I mean, he's no, that's uh-huh. not gonna, he's not going to you know if if the reasons why he babies the veterans that have been postulated in the press are accurate, and I have no reason to doubt that, then there's no way he's going to change. I mean, you know. I don't, I think it's, I think it's maybe, I mean, it's probably, you know, psyche or like, you know, subconscious, but like he's such a young coach 
that he doesn't he, he can't like swoop in like Quenville and sit, or Hitchcock or Captain Kangaroo for that matter and say I've been coaching in this league for 20 years this is the way we're going to do it he's such a young coach that I think in order to I mean maybe it's job security but like placate the veterans and um, find success success elsewhere and you know he's going to have a job. If he oh. comes in, I don't know. Tell me, tell me another young coach that comes in and tells a veteran to sit the fuck down because he's not producing. Well, and what's ironic though is that the the coaching job that he should get credit for this season, coaching through all these different things, ought to give him some cred uh, in the room, right? As yeah. okay, I, I may be young, but listen, if you just do what I say and follow my lead, we can have success. But Still, I don't, I don't, I don't see that changing. I mean, I, you know, just not success on the power play. <laughs> other than the power play, that's right, that's right. I mean, to build on on Double's point from a couple minutes ago, um, the thing that the you know, a thing, another thing that concerns me, in addition to consistency, is is the leadership angle. You know, if we are reliant on these kids ultimately because. We have to play them because we've got a couple of veterans with massive contracts that we're locked into, and so we've got to play these kids. And, and you know, th- th- we've got a good core of kids. You know, we, you know, I think we have enough talent there. I don't, I don't know if it's the right talent, but it's enough talent. But, but there's no, you know, we talked about Pollenville a minute ago. You know, going from a, a good season last season to a not good season this season, and you know, so who's demonstrating to these guys, you know, the sort of the sort of leadership in a either do as I say or do as I do or both kind of manner to show them how to be pros, these kids. And then you look at the playoffs, and there is nobody on this roster veteran-wise, you know, with the possible exception of, of Prezi, but he's a singular, you know, skill set in that he works his balls off. Um, but who's demonstrating to these guys how to be winners in the playoffs? And so – if we take what I said before of, you know, we were reliant on the kids to make strides. If you break that down between the regular season and the playoffs, well, from a playoffs perspective, you know, who, you know, so we're looking at, you know, who's the mentor for Nino and Coyle? You know, who's the guy that's, that they can watch on the team? You know, what are, they, what are they supposed to just look at old videos of fucking Messier? I mean, so, you know, I mean, that's, that's an issue, I think, is we have veterans who we can't move. And I'm not sure that we've got the right mentors for the for the youths. How Matt, many fucking former captains do we need? Well, there, we there have we have five, right? Or is it four? Well, Vanek, Pominville, Koivu, Parisi, Suter, Suter, Suter. Yeah. How many more do we need to be able to inspire leadership? I don't know. And, it, well, and, and, that's, and, and it's, but to your point, Nick. I mean. You know, I, wasn't that one of the reasons why Matt Cook was brought in and, and doubles? Just Ooh. calm down. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I got that, you with I got you with <laughs> earlier, so touche, Moldbrer. <laughs> you know, but you know, Koivu, you know, as much as you hate him, I mean, Matt Cook does have his name on the Stanley Cup, and and I think that was one of the one of the one of the selling points in bringing him in. Uh, was because of just that. I mean, he's a character player who has won the Stanley Cup. You know, he has been there. Um, you don't want him to teach the kids how to sweep the leg, but you want him to be there to, to say, you know, like, this is what it's like, you know, this is what the intensity is like, and this is what you got to do in the playoffs. 
Um, you know, whether, whether he's actually done that, I'm not sold on that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's really elevated his play in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I really kind of wish, uh, you know, maybe there's, there was another option there and, and, you know, to your point, Nick, I completely agree with you. By the way, uh, doubles, you'll be happy to know that Turbo Turvinen, uh, scored his second goal to playoffs. Uh, it's now three, one Anaheim in the second period. Yeah, I was just uh, I was just watching that naturally, and when you had mentioned, that uh, was right around the point where we were discussing Kemper and Backstrom giving up soft goals, and uh, old, Anderson uh, finally turbo, gave up a softy. Turbo lover throws a wounded duck from the top of the circle <laughs> that goes right between uh, right between the wickets of old Freddie Anderson there, and the tor- uh, torpedo Torrevinen. <laughs> which which brings up another little tangent that I'm going to kind of go off the rails on here. Uh, in round two, when the Wild got down 3 nothing on Friday night, game one against the Hawks, it was suggested in some circles that <laughs> uh, old Duber should have been pulled. And uh, speaking of tugging and pulling and everything else, that Duber should have been pulled and Kevin got in. And it was suggested elsewhere that the vaunted Coach Q would have wouldn't have been afraid to have the balls to make that move. Tonight, Ducks go up three nothing at the end of one, and I literally had Conway Twitty and a YouTube video of Hello Darling queued up <laughs> on the old Wild Extra Twitter account, and. <laughs> Who comes out to start the second period? Corey Crawford. And next thing you know, old Turbo throws one in. It's three to one. The Hawks are buzzing. So just when so, you think, just when so you wait. think Coach Q is going to zaggy zag, and just when you think you got all the answers, he changes the questions. So it's still a good idea to keep Dubnik in that game. I'm sorry. Hello. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> all right. Was that fair point? Fair point. Fair points all. Fair points all. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think that in, in the context of the regular season, they did and they did not improve. Right. I mean, I, I think overall they certainly improved from the first half to the second half. Um, but you can't ignore the sort of the the, the disassembling part in uh, November and December and early January. So they improved, but they also created a situation where and they had to improve and made lives for themselves, made their lives unnecess- you know, maybe unnecessarily more difficult than it needed to be. But they still did it. Right? They did it. They reached down to borrow to coin a phrase and 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 found something to pull on and tug on, and they did to to it. So good for them. <laughs> Um, uh, but in the final analysis, you know they're, they're they're just they're just not in the same league. I mean, you you watch this Western Conference Final series, and this would be over already if, if 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 this wild team, this season's wild team, were there. I don't care what else. I mean, there's no way they. We know they can't beat Chicago, and I think this Ducks team would have destroyed them. I mean, we were all afraid of the Ducks going into the fucking playoffs. 
And I have seen nothing to dissuade that opinion, me from having to continue to have that opinion. So, yes, they improved, but I guess the next question for everybody, um, and, you know, we'll go back to Mike again in the rotation, but, you know, where do they need to keep improving? I know that's an easy question, but, you know, you, you have several different things to pick from, so pick your favorite and go. Oh, boy. Um <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. It's like tossing me a big, juicy T-bone, isn't it? Um, you know, the, the special teams, you know, the, the power play obviously needs to be better. Um, you know, if, if the Wild had a power play that could actually be a threat to other teams, uh, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about, you know, guys taking runs at uh, Eric Halla and, and Jonas Brodin, you know, in, in the New York Rangers game. Um, you know, the, the wild power play is just completely pointless this year, uh, completely useless. Um, and, you know, the, the wild just don't have that elite sniper that, you know, a lot of other teams have. I mean, I, I've given this a lot of thought the last couple of weeks, and, and I just keep coming back to the same point that Michael Russo made that, you know, it, it's just a simple matter of the Wild just don't have that one weapon that, you know, the other teams have. You know, the other teams, I mean, they've got, you know, uh, Corey Perry, you know, asshole. They've got, you know, uh, um, you know uh, Patrick Kane, you know, the douchey little shit weasel. Um, you know, they, they just they don't have have the tools that that some of these you know that that these other teams have and and that's that right now that's a major problem i mean are, you know are they going to go out and are they going to try and pick one up are they going to you know hope that jason zucker and 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 nino niederreiter turn into that um you know they also need they also need better play from the centers i mean granlet has to be a better number one center i mean if he's our number one center that's a problem you know if koivu is our number one center that's a problem you know, if God forbid we're going to rely on Coil to to step into that role, I mean that's not going to happen. Um, you know, it's just the, the the those are the probably the three biggest things I can think of off the top of my head, and I, I'm sure Mason's going to you know dick slap me with something else that I completely missed. No, that was depressing as shit, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we assuming Doobie's back? Yeah, we're hoping for sure. Lock, I mean, gotta be right. I mean, it, it, I mean, he's gonna have to ask for Ovechkin money to not come back. Lock. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we're assuming Backstrom's gone, right? Yes. Yeah, he has to be. What about Kemper? Are we assuming Kemper's back? We don't care. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's Wait. back. Well, he doesn't go to Fletch and say, "Listen, I realize the situation." I can tell which way the wind's blowing. Can you move me to a team where I might have a chance to play? Well, that would help, but I don't think it's going to happen. Then you're right. Uh, to I, I, think goalie I, I think he's got his one-way contract be, to be a backup. Fletcher, Fletcher would would have to be out of his gourd to trade Kemper for anything other than a primo package to to get back. I mean, he he Kemper, you know, he Kemper would have to be part of a big package to get to get a major return for me to feel comfortable dealing him because I think he still does have a tremendous upside in, in the NHL, and I think it's just a matter of time before he explodes. And also, and he's, played, he's played himself into a backup role after uh, after this season. Yeah, okay, he's got his one-way contract. Great. You've also earned your backup spot. 
Um, and we've got this clear number one in Doobie when compared to you, Kemper. Um, I don't think Kemper would demand a trade because who is he going to convince that he can have a shot elsewhere? And that's the point of, of not moving him now. I mean, that would be right. the very definition of selling low if you moved him right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, he's, and, this, I, and maybe, I'm, maybe I'm in the minority on this. It, to me, there's no guarantee that Doobie yeah. is anywhere close next year to what he was this year. Absolutely. And that's right. To me to me that's where a, they had a huge issue and everybody knew it but sorry, Mace, earmuffs. It was what it was. Where <laughs> well, that's a derivation. You know, they put you. all their eggs in, in the doobie basket and you know, that's kinda of one of the fears in doing that is you know, for whatever reason he's just not necessarily the same in the playoffs and which isn't to say that he was bad, but I mean there was only one way for him to go right after the regular season that he had. Now I don't have. I mean, if if, if the alternative you know, we're comparing going into next season with uh, Kemper and Doobie, or Doobie and Kemper, and we're comparing that to this season when we went in with backs from Harding slash Kemper, right? I, I'm I'm not any less confident in our goaltending. Uh, for next season than I would have been based on that for this season. Anybody disagree with that? I would say I'm just more confident. Yeah. I'll buy what you're selling. Absolutely. That's easy. But Uh, I do believe believe it'll be critical for Kemper to show some level of competence and not go into the season, you know, thinking that Doobie's going to have to play 70 games. Yeah. Oh, agree. You know, the last couple of times we saw Kemper in game action, he was fine. Yep. Right? The, the national game. Bro. Right? The, the Detroit game when he came in mopped up and actually got the, the uh, no, I don't know how that, well, no. He got the lost. OCL. Yeah, we yeah, lost the, the shootout. Loss. Yeah. Uh, and then, but, he, but he, he played well. And then the Nashville game, I think it was at the end of the season, he played well as well. Um, you know, but that's two games out of what six months now. But still, yeah. Uh, so you know, but you know, but going into that Detroit game, the previous twenty times we'd seen him, he'd sucked hind tit. So, you know, I mean, if we believe in short-term indicators, then his last markers were positive. So whatever that's worth, I don't, I don't know. And uh, I, I do, I do believe it's too early to give up on him yet. I don't think anyone. Would disagree with that, right? Maybe Nick. No, well, he's only no. I, I don't disagree <laughs> with that. He's only he's only carrying a one and a quarter cap hit. Yeah, you know, so he's dirt cheap. You know, he he he's definitely not going to be. You know, a one and a quarter backup is probably standard, right? In the league, you just yeah. can't send them back. That's the That's, problem. Is he he, yeah. he can't develop sitting on the fucking bench for sixty games of the year. So that, that's the issue. And, you know, we've got essentially a combination of him and Mr. Harding to blame for that. Mm-hmm. And his agent. Yeah. I just want to uh, add to one thing. You know, Mike said that I'd find some other thing to add to the depression pile, and he mentioned um, <laughs> all these teams having tools, and I, and I do mean that, tools, like, you know, Corey Perry, Duckwad, and Patrick Kane and how the Wild don't have that tool. 
Well, we fucking tried to get that tool in Thomas Vanek, and it didn't work. He was not that tool. So that's yet another thing to add on to Mike's list of three, oh, three assholes that. that didn't play, play well for us <laughs> this year. You're welcome. If, that's what I'm here if, for. If the, if the Wild were a baseball team, the only way they can score a run is, like, a hit batter, a wild pitch advancing him to second, bunting him over to third, and fat flying him in. Pass ball. You, you just described my softball team. <laughs> <laughs> you just described they, they, they just they have to work way too hard yeah. for the goals. Yeah. That is a huge problem. We need a finisher. Now Okay, so I'm about to bring you into a piece of this, uh, a, a guy who I've backed time and time again, but some of that's on Chuck. Yep. You know, I mean... Uh, what, would anyone say it was the wrong move at the time, though? Is that Chuck's fault that fucking Thomas Vanek is tough, fucking Thomas Vanek? No, I think... I I think the, aside from the optics on Thomas Vanek, that anybody he asked would have said the same thing about Thomas Vanek? I'd say the head coach thought it was the wrong move at the time. That's right. I, I remember that now. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think he got tunnel visioned a little bit on Vanek when he didn't get a Ginla and what have, what have you. But what I really, you know, the, the reason I mentioned that about Chuck in the Vanek in the Vanek context is Chuck saying Vanek's a scorer and Vanek saying Vanek's a fucking playmaker. I mean, that's that's scary, right? I mean. Yeah. Not just for the Vanek piece, because eventually, eventually, we'll be over it or beyond it. But, but uh, you know, so what Vanek is saying there is Chuck went out and got what he thought was a finisher, and that finisher is a guy who thinks he's Adam Oates. So that's not that suggests um, a, a a problem. And maybe they interviewed different people. <laughs> well, Chuck interviewed he's a different player and. Vanek interviewed with, like, Fair or something. Seabrook just scored a beauty one-timer from the bottom of the circle. Beauty pass from behind the net by old Turbo again. That guy's on fire. 3-2 uh, duck was, and they're here in the footsteps. Two uh, uh, helpers in the second period. Two you guys are awesome at spoilers. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody's listening live, buddy. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Okay, so let's open it up here. Anything else that we have in the dress for the season post-mortem? Uh, back to you, Mike Berg. Nope. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm, 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 uh, now, you see, before we talked here, I, I was almost back to, you know, you know, not actually feeling too horrible about this team. But now that I've talked to you guys, you know, it's I'm, I'm feeling pretty shitty. <laughs> nice to talk well, to you too, Mike. Well, that was no. <laughs> Doubles, what have we missed here from from where you're coming from? Well, I think Russo is, during the course of the season, I think he hinted a lot that a question Fletcher needed to answer or the Wild needed to answer is, do they believe in Granlund as the number one center? Can yeah. he withstand the physical punishment? Can he put up enough numbers to justify being the number one center? And while he had some moments in the playoffs, I think he had a very underwhelming regular season. Yeah. And Russo mm-hmm. has Russo has mentioned numerous times on various podcasts and blogs 
he thinks that Fletch is going to do something pretty big here uh, in the days leading up to or the day of the draft, which I believe is at the end of June. Yeah, I can get it. So it, it's. I, I think we're going to, by the time draft weekend wraps up, I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of what we're going to be going into camp with. June 26, 27. How about this for an option? The Calgary Flames. That would be interesting. He's already got a connection there. Yep. His little brother's a center there. Um, I'm looking at their general manager page right now, and they actually have a lot of guys listed there as centers. But, you know, Backlund is an RFA. Um, they got, you know, the Sean Monahans of the league. Uh, the Yuri Hoodlers of the league. Yuri's making four mil, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, would you, you know, that, that, that's an interesting possibility. Um, and that's a team that you got to think is on the rise. No, that's a, that's an interesting point doubles. Um, it would not surprise me, uh, entirely if you were not back next year in a wild uniform. And if you think in the context of Granlin plus Spurgeon, now maybe we, now maybe we can get a, a significant piece back. Significant. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can get Corey Perry. There you go. Duckwad. Oh. Duckwad style. Mason, uh, what have we not discussed here that, that's on your plate? Um, so the, the notion that, that uh, you know, the, the, the thing that kind of puts the writing on the wall, quote-unquote, quote, quote, that everyone keeps talking about Spurgeon being the odd man out, that Fletcher only put, you know, invest in three top kind of defenders. We've got our, our you know, Suter, our Brodeen, Settle Out Mike, and, um, and then Scandella. Um, is that enough to, to, like, invest in defensive core as far as longevity and, and putting money towards the kind of talent you need back there on D? I mean, if we're, if we're not willing to invest further. I mean, I know we're investing a lot in those top three guys, but if we're not willing to invest in more than 50% of our defenders, is that a problem? Um, I think we got a lot of longevity out of our kind of ragtag assemble of defenders this season. A lot of guys stepped up like Spurgeon, um, but that's kind of a concern to me too that like it seems like seems like three is not enough to kind of have your defending defensive core. Like I, to me, it seems like you kind of need that top one defender pair and that top two defender pair to really be the, the go-to guys and to, to not kind of uh, the thought that Fletcher doesn't want to invest kind of in that fourth uh, defender is, is a little troubling to me. But I think Spurgeon is the guy, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's probably – got a lot more issues to cover than ensuring that fourth defender. So I don't know. I think right, but, but what about what about Dumba? I mean where 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 would you where would you put him? Well I think I think since Dumba is still in his if correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, since Dumba is still in his entry level, it's not an issue now. So hopefully maybe maybe I, I agree, maybe Fletcher is just hoping that he slots into that fourth and is that important player that we need him to be, especially if we uh, trade Spurge? Right. Well, we'll just go out and sign Johnny Oduya this summer. He's a UFA. Yeah, we we actually could. Oduya? 
We I no. Did oh, could we? Oh, could we? <laughs> I did you. <ya. laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, that was for doubles. Um, you know, the the thing that I would add that I guess we haven't really discussed yet is that um um. And I would, it's more of a reiterate for me, but no, I, I'm not satisfied with how this year ended up. But I don't think this is a, uh, you know, take your grenade to the whole team scenario. Um, I don't, I, I know that Chicago represents a significant hurdle here for us. I don't think they're going to be 100% back next year. They've got a lot of guys to pay, and they've got a bunch of kids coming into the RFA second contract kind of deal, so they're going to want to pay Saad and Kruger and uh, guys like that. So um, uh, I don't think that just fighting the last fight is the way to go. So I think this is more of a uh, tinker summer as opposed to a blow-it-up summer. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely a Fletcher guy. I am at this point a Yo guy, um, not so much a brunette guy. But, uh, and um, I think... I don't... I, 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 if we're going to make moves, uh, then I'm fine with that. Uh, because I don't think we have the right mix of talent and, you know, personalities, but but I don't think this is a, uh, you know, this is a let's say fuck it all and go for a top five pick next season kind of deal. Mm-mm. Right. Um, all right. Well, 2014-2015 NHL season for Minnesota Wild, yeah, you know, they, they've got some work to do. Uh, it was certainly an entertaining season. You know, we started out with relatively high expectations. They went seven and three, I believe, to start. Remember you guys remember they, they shut out the Avalanche the first two games of the fucking season. Um Kemper. And uh <laughs> they then crapped the shit to bed with authority and alacrity uh in a couple of months. And then, you know, in parachuted Dubnik and they were off to the races, secured the playoff spot going away. Um, had a very inspiring first-round victory against St. Louis. And then the walls came crashing down uh, in a four-game sweep to Chicago. But, um, I mean, at least from where I'm sitting, you know, that left a, a, a more bitter taste than I think the season on balance um, needed to have left in my mouth. Um, so, with that being said, let's get some final thoughts here as we wrap up this post-mortem edition of the 5-Minute Major. Uh, Mike Berg, you first. Uh, 29 teams in the next month or so. 29 teams are going to say, "Well, maybe next year." And uh, I hate it that we're going to that we're going to be in that crowd. And so, you know, hopefully, hopefully next year we'll be we'll be able to to look back and and have some better thought, better final thoughts. Yep. Doubles. I got three, and I'm going to try and give you the abridged version. Um, watching this. Hawks Ducks series, it's almost making it worse when the Wild never even held the lead in four games against Chicago. Did they? They, they didn't have the lead, no. did they? Nope, zero. No. Okay, so, and never even had a sniff of the lead in four games against Chicago. And now to see, now to see the Ducks put a dress on the Hawks and slap the Hawks around like little girls, that's. I, I don't know. It almost uh, it almost makes me feel. I think I would have felt a little better if the Hawks would have just uh, been able to stay on a roll and house the duck wads here as well. But it seemed like we came out of that 
second round saying, wow, that tells us how far away we really are from the Hawks. And now the Ducks are slapping the Hawks around. So I'm not really quite quite sure what to make of that. Um, Second thought is, as far as Russo speculating on a trade, after this offseason, with all of the veterans and the contracts that they're locked into, it's going to be tricky to move veterans this offseason, and it's only going to get trickier in successive offseasons. So maybe that's a little bit where Russo's coming from. Third and final thought, uh, thoughts, prayers, best wishes to the Micheletti family, one of the, one of the true uh, hockey iconic names in uh, the state of Minnesota. Uh, best of luck to Pat Micheletti, and I believe his brother Jerry is uh, donating a kidney for a transplant to Pat um, that is happening, I believe, on Wednesday. So uh, best of luck to the Micheletti family uh, for a speedy and healthy recovery. Well said. Jared Mason, final thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't know how to follow that up except for to agree with, you know, best wishes and, and all to Micheletti's and but to follow up on a thought that doubles had hard to think of such a the the uninspiring series against the Blues and then realizing how far away we are from the Hawks and then really how far away we are from the Ducks. The best thing about that is that we did not draw the Ducks in the first series, which only you know ultimately means that we are one of those teams that that says maybe next year we say that only a little bit later in the season than some of the other teams. So um, I think that was a good thing. I think we were a, I think we're able to draw a lot of positive things from the Blues series, and it really, if anything, the the series against the Hawks shows exactly kind. You know, it's it's good to see. Uh, you know, it's good to be humbled like that. I think. I hope. Uh, for this team to like really learn from that uh, lesson in humility. So that's that's my hopeful thought is that we now know what we need to uh, you know what we need to address in order to. I mean, not that we didn't know already. I mean, this is the third time in a row that the the Hawks have put us out. So um, it just made it even more painfully clear that uh, that's our that's our watermark right there. Um, so. Hopefully this summer we do something, we tinker, and we're able to address at least some of that. You know, my final thoughts are uh, two. One, uh, I got good news for you guys. I was just looking at the Ducks page on General Manager. And uh, Francois Beauchemin is a, UFA no. after, is a UFA after this season. So given his, his advanced age in general, and in particular, if they win the cup this year, he's 34 years old. Uh, maybe he retires, but also maybe he doesn't play for Anaheim next season, and maybe he plays for somebody who we would play less often. So maybe we wouldn't have to hear Boshima, uh <laughs> with nearly the same repetitiveness as we have had to to this point. Anyway, um, the downside to that uh, observation, though, is the Ducks are in really good shape cap-wise beyond the season. Uh, their UFAs are not terribly many. Uh, Fleischman is their probably their biggest and most important UFA after this season. Uh, mm-hmm. They're uh, Tomas Fleischman, left winger. Uh, their RFAs, guys looking to get paid, are also not that many. Silver Silverberg is probably their most important one. Yeah. Um, so uh, they they and they have a buttload of 
cap space. According to general manager right now, they've got 17.5 million in cap space. So um, that looks like a team that is going to be something to be reckoned with for quite a, quite a while going forward here. My wild final thought is, uh, and we've gone over this and over this and over this this season, so I don't need to rehash it entirely, but just to point out again that given the age of our veteran core, our window needs to be op- our window for actual contention needs to be opened now. And, and you know we have been talking about you know this isn't the summer to blow it up. This is the summer to sort of continue to tinker, and that's good because you know age wise we just cannot afford to take three plus years. We can't afford to wait for Olafson basically in order to have that window be opened. It needs to be opened now. Because assuming we're not going to win it necessarily the first year that it's opened, um, you know, now you've got 32, 33-year-old guys in the Parisis and the Suitors and what have you, and however the hell old Miko would be at that point, uh, not to mention the Palmers and everybody else. So um, next year, my expectation for next year is going to be at least the same as it was for this season. And that is that this this team really you know takes the first step into being a contender, uh, that that they become a a playoff threat. And my expectation will not be that they have to win the cup to make me happy, but they need to be a team that is uh, universally regarded as a disappointment if they do not wait to um, uh, win the cup. So that that's where I'm coming from. All right, for Jared Mason, for doubles for Mike Berg. This is Nick in New York. Thank you for listening to the Five Minute Major. Thanks again for listening this whole season. We've, uh, I believe, what did we say? This is our 37th or 38th podcast of the season. Uh, it's been a fun season uh, talking with and at you. Or, well, actually, more at you than with you, um, given that we didn't have any live callers. But uh, um, we, we've enjoyed it a lot. And um, next season, hopefully, we get uh, more and bigger and better for the Minnesota Wild and from, frankly, us as well. Uh, so. Uh, for the guys, uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.